live in a very divided time right now, but is that anything new? And did Jesus unite or divide? A lot of times I like to think of Jesus uniting, which he did, but we also see Jesus, a lot of division around Jesus as well. And we're going to see that very stark contrast in today's text. It's a great passage. It is. And that's a great concept as well and something that is beneficial to talk about because Jesus at one point also said he was going to divide families and families have been divided over Jesus. Yeah. So there definitely is that division and yet he was the great uniter. If we are united around him, then I think that's the key. Sometimes I can even beg the question. I mean, we're not even there yet, but just to start the conversation a little bit, get our our minds going, can beg the question of if you're a believer and you never actually see any of that division, or if you never actually experience those moments where people are a little upset with you because of what you believe or what you're holding to, kind of Hmm. kind of begs the question, are you really living out the gospel? Yeah. Because the gospel does unite, but it also divides. If we are faithful to God, if we're faithful to Jesus, it can't help but create some disunity among our group, you know, the the people that we know. Yeah. And we don't take pride in that and and parade that around. I do see some people do that, but it it just, it's going to happen. Well, you're listening to Between the Lines. I'm Junior. And I'm Scott. And we are in John chapter 12, starting in verse 20 today. And Dad, I started yesterday, so do you want to go for it? Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for the Passover celebration. Actually, Greeks, the the word there is Hellenus, which simply means that they had adopted Greek culture. This was the time of the diaspora, the dispersion of Jews had taken uh, taken place during the time of the Babylonian captivity when they were sent in all different directions. And so they lived in other parts of the world and became adopted the culture of the places where they lived. And of course, Hellenism, that is Greek culture, was worldwide and was by far the most popular culture to adopt, where people spoke Greek and they dressed like Greeks. So when it says these Greeks who had come, they were Jews, but they were Jews that spoke Greek and dressed like Greeks. And they had the Septuagint, so they would have believed the Scriptures, would have held to the Scriptures. And the Septuagint is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. And they were faithful Jews, faithful to Yahweh, but many of the Jews who lived in Israel resented them because... They were you not folded so, the culture is what yes, they're thinking. Yes. You want to be Greek, but we're Hebrew. What are you doing? All right. So anyway, they came to the Passover celebration, paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. I just got to say this, Dad. I would, I mean, I would love to be around Jesus and in my own sin, though. I would be frustrated because you realize what just happened here, right? Yeah. And people ask me, hey, can I meet Jesus? I go to Jesus, hey, Jesus, can these people meet you? And then he just goes off and says this. In like, philosophy. Well, it doesn't really answer my question, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And but, but I think he is. I think in a roundabout way, he is still addressing people who want to meet him. Verse 25, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. You see, what Jesus is getting to here is I'm not just going to be a celebrity. 
where they can come and say, oh, I hear there's this famous guy here. I want to come and see him. He says, no, no, this is a very serious thing, what's going to be taking place. I'm about to be put to death. Yeah. Now, my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? Of course, his death was on his mind. But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice from heaven spoke, saying, I have already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. And then Jesus told them, The voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. And he said this to indicate how he was going to die. You want to go ahead and pick up verse 34? So when we see verse 32, it says, when I'm lifted up from the earth, meaning on the cross. Yeah. That's why, yeah, that's why it says he was indicating how he would die. Verse 34, it says, the crowd responded, we understood from the scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? Just who is the Son of Man anyways? Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can see so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you'll become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people did not believe in him. So again, we see this like you have people wanting and believing, and now you have, we see this division. People just refuse to. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. Many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish, uh, Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. And here John's talking about people that did believe in Jesus, yeah. and yet they wouldn't come out and confess him openly. Right. And, and we saw the reverse of that, the verse 43, we saw the reverse of that in Romans when God said a huge part of you know our sanctification is wanting the praise of God and not from people. Yeah. And the exact opposite is happening from the religious leaders who want human praise. Which is a really good indicator of where we are at spiritually because we can check ourselves on this all the time. I think all of us can see it in ourselves when we're more interested in what people think of us than what God thinks of us. Yeah, That happens so quickly for all of us. So the process of sanctification, becoming more and more like Jesus, is entering into that and coming into that place where we are focused on what God thinks and not so much. Now, we're loving and we're caring of other people, but we're not concerned about what they think of us. Yeah. We're more concerned about what they think of God. Right. Jesus shouted to the crowds, if you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The father who sent me has commanded me what to say, and how to say it. Like, man, yeah. my father's a bit of a micromanager, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. But you see this, this beautiful submission in Jesus. Yep. 
He's commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know this command led to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. We will pick that up tomorrow in John chapter yeah, and, 13. And this is part of the struggle that, the, of course, the Jews had with Jesus. The, that is the leaders of the Jews, the, Fer, the Pharisees, the leaders of the synagogue. The trouble that they had with him was that he was linking himself so tightly to the Father because, of course, he is. And they knew that he was claiming to have this unique relationship with God that they did not have, making himself out to be God. Yeah, that's where the big struggle came in. He was claiming an authority that they certainly did not have. Yep. All right, let's get over to the Psalms. And we're in Psalms 75 and 76, I believe, for today. And so, you know, again, we're in this section of Psalms where it's a little bit difficult because the psalmists are going through a very difficult time and there's essentially saying, woe is me, we're not seeing God at work, and and we're seeing all this difficulty around us. But I do love verse 9, where the psalmist says, but as for me, I will always proclaim what God has done. I will sing praises to the God of Israel. And that's just a decision that has to be made, that no matter what, no matter what's going on around us, no matter what difficulty or challenges we're up against, I have made this decision that I am in this for the rest of my life, in fact, throughout all eternity, that no matter what, I will always proclaim the goodness of God and what he has done for me, and I will sing praises to the God of Israel. Yeah. I just will. See, rich worship is not a product of emotions. Our emotions should be a product of rich worship. Yeah. Where we go into worship, we go, it doesn't matter what I feel or how much I feel like I'm losing or how down I am right now. I'm going to I'm going to say my trust in God, and then my feelings will follow that. In fact, the times when we need to sing most often are those times when we feel least like singing. Yeah. Because then the worship changes us. Yeah. Often the battle in our heart is really when the music starts in church. Yeah. There's a huge battle that goes on in the heart. Am and I so, going to sing out? Am I going to raise my hands and surrender? Or am I just going to sit here? And so is that your absolute commitment? I will always proclaim what God has done for me, and I will sing praises yeah. to my God. All right. We'll make it a good day today, and we will see you tomorrow.